Discovery Internet Radio, broadcast live and direct from Straight Stuff Studios on a beautiful summer Sunday evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hope you're enjoying the weather if you're in the, if you're in the same area as we are, but I guess you could be anywhere, so if it's cold there, well, too bad for you. Uh, we're happy to have you here. Uh, this is episode I haven't really kept track in a while. It's uh, going on a couple of years, and uh, we're happy to have you aboard. So thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, telling those that you think might be interested. We've got we've got a full we got a packed house here for you tonight. So I hope you're ready for a lot of uh, uh, good information and good conversation. I'm going to pass the mic to uh, Mr. Rick Atwater, our host with the most this Sunday and every Sunday at 7 p.m. <laughs> Rousing, rousing applause. Anyway, welcome everybody. <laughs> welcome to Recovery Internet Radio and our, our uh, show, Straight Stuff on Addictions. Our tag tonight is Recovery from the Family Disease. I think we've got the biggest panel yet. So this is this is a record breaker. Um, we have uh, so we have we have six uh, six parents here to talk to us tonight, and I'll, I'll introduce them in just a minute. But I just want to welcome everybody here and thank you for joining us tonight. Where we are every Sunday night at seven, and thanks to our engineer Chris, hey hey, hey for pulling this all together. Um, you can call in to the show if you have questions or comments uh, at 323-792-2977. That's 323-792-2977. Or you can tweet us live at Rick Atwater. That was a tweet. That was a tweet. Okay. Also remember to check out recoveryinternetradio.com for all our archive shows and recovery resources. That's Recovery Internet Radio. Oh, yeah, I forgot. The mic's over here. <laughs> okay, so tonight um, we have six guests. We have Marsha, we have Jeff, we have James, we have Beth, we have Cindy, and we have Ray. And, um, and I know them all. And so this should be an interesting conversation. Um, if you guys are ready to get started, um, I think what I'm going to do is just put out a, a question and then we'll just or kind of organically figure out how to answer it. If, if, you, if you feel comfortable doing it, do it. If you don't, don't. Let's just see where, let's just see where this takes us. So the first question on, on the list is, um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, the title is Recovery from the Family Disease, and I think a lot of people might not understand what, the, what does family disease mean what it, how is this thing we're talking about a family disease? How is it for you a family disease? How is it in general? Any way you want to answer that? Who wants to, who wants to pick that one up? Anybody? Well, um, for me, a family disease meant that um, we have an addicted son and we all lost perspective at some point as to what was really happening. Um, and we all felt crazy. So I think that that's how the disease manifested itself. It, every, it affects everybody. Everybody and everything in your life is affected. So. Do you think there's people, do you think people think they can escape that? Or like, does anybody escape? If somebody in the if everybody's living in one in one house and you've got an addicted person in there, does anybody escape? Well, they they might pretend to. 
there you know you could have forms of denial or or uh, just refusing to deal with the situation yeah um they'd still be affected they just sure yeah. um you know whether they think that's the right way to do it or whether they realize that's how they're reacting to it um you know but the my experience is that you know it that disease sucks people in mm-hmm. and you start losing control of your life as it the as the disease just demands more and more of everyone else do you know i mean do you know when you're getting sucked in or I, I don't think you know when you're getting sucked in i think it's one of those things that you do a little bit a little bit you're sucked a little bit a little bit and all of a sudden it's like oh my god where am i what am i doing yeah i think it's a gradual process and i think you don't know you're there unless something boom happens just like that somebody says the right word to you something happens that it's like oh my god how did i get to this place i think it can be easy to rationalize a, a crazy response <laughs> you know yeah yeah how do you do that and like, you don't know it's crazy at the time right you just think it's like you think but well, it's easier to give into that that abnormal or no no okay so so then here's here's the 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 the, the question the bigger question when and it's got two parts when did you know that your kid was over the line where when you know when did you know that things were fully um, crazy for, for your kid and then second part of the question is when did you know that you were crazy too for, well for us you know it was a things were kind of uh, not going well for maybe like a year or so. And then a specific event happened where we had to call 911. Hmm. And he did um, have to spend some time um, in a mental behavior hospital. Mm -hmm. And so that was like, that was pretty stunning. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't something I ever imagined to happen or to really deal with. Can you say... That you said things were happening for about a year before the event. Mm-hmm. That can, so can you say specifically what those things were for that year? I mean, not in right. a viable way, but like what kind of stuff? Angry outbursts. Yeah, or? angry outbursts. Very, a lot of defiance. Um, getting in trouble in school. You know, caught him smoking. Um, and I mean, I know that sounds small now, but it just led to other things. And uh, we were. But mainly the anger was over the top, and um, and we were already having to call the police on some things. But but the thing is, you know, I just kept thinking, oh, he'll grow out of it. This isn't a big deal. And yet we had some pretty bad therapy appointments, too, where they just kind of had to be dispersed because the anger was over the top. And, um, and at the point of when our crisis hit, you know, we were like in the medication, checking out different medications, and that is very scary um, because you don't know how it's going to affect your child. Mm-hmm. And so it, that in part led to our crisis. But in any event, um, that was absolutely hit me right between the eyes, stunning. Like you didn't expect that this was going to go this way. This mm-hmm. wasn't in your... Not in Never. Your, not in your no. plans, not in your imagination. No. No. I mean, I think that's good for parents to hear because it's not like 
there's a certain profile or something that no. oh this kid is going to go south here so no. No. no 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 it wasn't like that at all we also have physical violence in the home uh, physical encounters uh, with me and uh, my kid mm-hmm. and uh, you know those was, those was were a very difficult situation oh, for me yeah. to grasp yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. what and a nightmare to live in that no, and when my when my husband said you need to call nine one one when we have, are having this crisis with our child, I am like looking for the non emergency number because I'm like it's not that bad. And then I thought, oh my god, my husband could get hurt. It right. is bad, and I really need to pick up the phone and do right. it. And I just remember all of a sudden, you know, because I'm a more stoic person, try to make it look like I have it all together. I was sobbing on the phone. And the 911 operator was like, you know, I want to stay on the line with you. And I go, oh, no, I'm fine. And, um, <laughs> and she goes, no, you keep talking to me. And then the 911 um, operator yeah, and knew you When you can fine. hear the ambulance yeah. coming, I'm like, uh, can you tell them to turn their, the ambulance siren off? Because I don't want the neighbors to hear. <laughs> so that, that's my inkling of my crazy. Okay. And that's good. I mean, because, yeah, people have to, people have to hear that because they, they think, a lot of people think that it's you know they're it's them it's them you know they don't they're not thinking about their own you know taking care of their own stuff. So what what was it for? So so to the first question, yeah, I would respond back and ask, well, which time? Okay. Right? Which which set of symptoms are we did we recognize which time? Right. You know, Mars um, started very young. You know, with the normal stuff. You know, the grades are going downhill, you know, the principal is telling us that he's passing pills, the, you know, the list goes on and on. Right. Can I ask how young is young? Eleven. Okay. He's he's 20 now. Um, You know, other times, you know, it's the uh, calling up, um, he couldn't make it to a wedding, uh, a family wedding. We had to leave him at home. He calls up in the middle of the night and and uh, is threatening to jump out the window. Um, absolute crazy psychotic behavior depends upon the drugs that he's experimenting with. Hmm. Um, you know, so I, I have a clue. That there's something wrong. Something wrong. Like for you, it went <laughs> in like cycles of of symptoms that just kept getting worse. Yeah, cycle yeah, was the, worse. But that's what's tricky because you go through one cycle and you think, oh, okay, well, we got through that. You know, now it's going to get better. Now it's going to get better. And they try different things. So it might be the defiance. It might be the lying. It might be the stealing, the cheating, whatever. The the disease is is tenacious. Mm. You know? So just because you block one entry doesn't mean they give up. It's going to try something else. Mm -hmm. Any Um, opening. Yeah. Anyway. And, And... in our case, that's you know that escalates, takes all of our energy, all of our waking time. Careers suffer, relationships suffer, and neighbors think you're nuts, you know, because who wants you know ambulances and police cars showing up in the middle of the night every night, you know? Right. Um, and I just remember for me, one of the crazy moments was trying to tape all the doors shut so he couldn't leave and hide his shoes. Hiding his shoes. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, what kind of tape did you use? 
Just regular, you know, office tape. Um, yes. Scotch tape. So the tape wasn't to keep okay. him from leaving. The was tape was so, just so we knew. So under you, okay, oh, I was just wondering monitor. if we were duct taping or. Okay. No. All right. That's just, that's next week. That's the <laughs> that's the next installment. Well, you, you, and you also have to follow through with taping all the doors and windows in the house because as soon as they figure out that the door is marked, they start using the windows. Yeah. Okay. This is a never-ending challenge. All right, but that. That was one of the moments for you where... Or when I locked myself out of the house because I kept locking all the doors so he couldn't come in. Uh, and then I found myself outside with all the doors locked, yeah. Was he in? No. Oh. <laughs> that would have been, been even more That would have been a classic. But I, I'll never forget uh, Jeff walking through Alex's bedroom door. It just disintegrated. <laughs> You know, yeah. it, like the violence, you know, it's oh. just, it, it is, it's very frightening because people could get hurt. It came to that. Yeah, yeah. with us too. Yeah. Sure. yeah. All right. Well, so what, so the next, sort of the next question for anybody who wants to answer, because, well, first of all, you guys are all part of a parent support group. So yeah. let's just take a minute and talk about what, that is from your all your perspective what is that how let's talk about what it is where you mean what do you do well i can talk about why it's important okay (laughs) and marcia maybe can talk about more of the nuts and bolts okay because for us we we had nobody that we knew or that pretend that that said they their children were dealing with the same thing Mm -hmm. that we were dealing with yeah we had absolutely nobody our families, we didn't want to talk to our family about it. There's all this blame and pointing fingers and, you know, I was not a good mother sure. and, and, mm-hmm. and there's nobody you could go to. And I remember um, one time when our daughter came to us, and this was hopefully the last time, but she said, I'm addicted to heroin, I need help. And right then, you know, I had read your articles faithfully every Sunday in the newspaper and I knew that you had some connection to a heroin support group, which was our daughter's drug of choice. So I called you that Monday, and we started going to a support group, and that's where we met uh, Marsha and Jeff. But it was so good to me because because Marsha and Jeff are like us. They're Mm -hmm. hard workers. They're good parents. They're good people. They're good parents. They just have a child who has this disease of addiction. Mm -hmm. And so I felt affirmation. I felt comfort. I felt that I could say anything I wanted to say, even if it was really bad about my daughter or anybody else, and I wouldn't be judged for what I said because they knew what I was going through. Talking about the craziness of putting um, furniture or pieces of uh, clothing on the floor to see if my daughter had gone out the door or to see when we were gone, if she had gone into our bedroom to try to steal money. I mean, that's craziness. That's pure craziness. But everybody else was doing it at the same time. So I felt like I had a group that understood who I am, what Ray and I were going through, and it made me feel normal again. And I could not have gone through this without these people because they have gone through everything I have gone through. That's well said, and I think there, it's so true. You can't you you can't lean over the fence and talk to your neighbor no. about what what you know is happening to you as a result of your drug addicted child. Yeah. And um, the other thing about the support group was we we focused on helping each other, um, and 
to get through this, to become well ourselves, uh, knowing and learning that we really have no power over our, um, our kids' addiction, that they're the ones that are going to have to make the choice and come to the point where uh, they deal with that. But we were able to deal with uh, our craziness and, uh, and uh, learn to support each other and learn ways to cope uh, that, that would make us feel better and give us uh, strategies to deal with our addicted uh, child in a way that, um, you know, we weren't going crazy and nuts and we could sleep at night and feel safe. So that was a big part of it also. Yeah, there's, there's something about, you know, I mean, you can read a book. But, you know, there's a lot of things you can do, but when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of having to let go of your child, there's no other substitute for that but human contact as far as, I mean, mm-hmm. really what parents, parents have to face the possibility that their kid's not going to survive. Mm-hmm. And you just can't explain that to somebody who hasn't had to face that. Right. It's very, you know, mm-hmm. because they, well, wouldn't want to listen. Very true. Wouldn't About want to listen. six months into Ray and I going to the parent support groups, my daughter noticed a change in us. And I, to me, for her to say that, that we weren't crazy anymore, or that craziness, that we had, were calmer, I mean, I think that's a real attribute to the support that we received, the healing that Ray and I received through a parent support group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good, a good endorsement. What? And for us, too, um, I remember the first time I came to the support group um, and hearing these heartfelt stories from parents that I could look across the table and realize that they were good people, you know. Um, prior to um, our situation, our, you know, realizing our son had an addiction issue, I was a very judgmental parent. Mm-hmm. I really thought that it had a lot to do with how um, these kids were parented. And when I realized that my son had this issue, I was shamed and devastated, and I did blame myself. Mm. Um, And my world became smaller and smaller because I could barely uh, tolerate being around other people. Um, And the smaller my world got, the less perspective I had. So, you know, I really credit the parent support group with saving my marriage. And you guys then spun this thing off into, uh, you know, now now a, a, a self-directed group, for lack of a better mm-hmm. yeah. term. And so how, if people were interested in getting involved in this or wanted to know more, how, how would they do that? Um, we meet the second Wednesday of every month. Um, and Cindy, you know the we address. We meet at, uh, in Crystal Lake at the Senior Services uh, Building. It's 110 West Woodstock Street. Okay. And if you would have any questions, you could call me, Marsha, at 815-404-1914. And I would be able to give you directions or let you know uh, the next time we are meeting. We usually meet from 7 to 8.30 on the second Wednesday of every month. Okay, good. And then people can also get a hold of me. You can get a hold of me through the radio station. You can... Any 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 number of ways you can find me, and I can point you in the right direction. So, okay, well that's good. I'm glad we kind of got that out there for people to, you know. So, 
you know, for people to find it if they need it. Now, now here's here's the question that maybe has already been answered, but can do you, can parents get well even though their, their kids can't? I hear I, I hear that all the time. I I have a I hear a lot of skepticism about that. Um, can you oh, guys talk about that? Oh, I I think so. Um, we're uh, Cindy and Ray and Marsha and Jeff are a little bit farther along in the journey than we are, but um, you know, just from going to the parent recovery group, at least myself, and then also being involved in some other recovery groups, um, the thing is, like Marsha was saying about, you know, you feel I felt initially like I was a bad parent and I blame myself, but I'm working through that and realizing that you know I can still have a good life, I can still. Um, you know, I had some, you know, some crazy behavior that I needed to look at. And, and I initially thought when I was going to, like, Al-Anon that I was learning how to be a better mother to my son. But you know what? So sitting in those rooms, I realized it's really not about him. It's about me, you know, reclaiming my life and, you know, just working better. Um, not working better, but having a better. It's all about having better relationships with people, whether they're using or not. So, so here, so here's the question underneath that: Does does the fact that your kid has an addictions problem does that then surface some things that were already there for you, or for any of you, or is it is it causal? It is. Did your son's addiction cause you to be that way, or did you bring did you bring stuff to the table that surfaced as a result of the of the wacky wacky family stuff? Both. Okay. Both. Yeah. Both. Actually, yeah. It's, you know, the I think the initial reaction of most parents is that oh my goodness, the, the child is using drugs and that's terrible. And we have to stop the drugs. Right. But the reality is there's something else that's probably driving that mm. drug usage. And it could be a number of things. So chicken or egg, which one came first, we really don't know. I personally don't really care. Mm-hmm. I think get rid of the drugs so we get a clearer picture of what's actually there. Because mm-hmm. the drugs just obscure everything. Right. Uh, then you can do the real work. Okay. Um, so okay. So what about the rest of you? Did you bring a little crazy to the table, or did did it, did the did the drug stuff cause cause your craziness? And I'm using that word pretty flippantly, <laughs> but you you know what I mean. I, I know for us, um, um, way back in the beginning, um, I think Marsha was more in tune to what might have been going on. I was probably more in denial, um, which obviously caused, you know, uh, some conflict between us. Yeah. You know, which is great, another divide and conquer technique. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I, I think that's that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through our our years and years of, of therapy, you know, we recognized other things that we do and traps that we fall in. Um, that, that's for sure. Okay. Um, okay. And I think um, prior to our son really um, becoming an addict or um, 
I think we were a pretty dysfunctional family. I don't think we were communicating. Um, and I, you know, I think a lot of things were happening earlier uh, before the symptoms actually appeared. Um, and I had to look at, I came from an alcoholic family. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, I grew up in a pretty crazy household. Um, so some of that seemed kind of normal to me. Mm. And, you know, but when it, when you realize that it's life-threatening to your child, um, it certainly makes it made me look very closely at my behaviors, uh, my alcohol intake, and really reevaluate what I needed to do as a person to be healthy, so that I could really be a support to my son. Yeah, and I, yeah. Somebody else is going to say. Yeah, I was going to say one. Um, to this question, when our daughter, up to the point where, before the our daughter came to us and admitted that she was a heroin addict and she needed help, because we had, at that point, we had no uh, idea of how to help her. I think prior to that, we were more in denial about it, and we tried to micromanage her situations. Uh, she started a little uh, later, after mostly after high school, but we tried to micromanage it, and and so. Uh, we really didn't know anybody or were aware of anybody that used drugs. And so this was a whole new world for us. And then when she came to us and said uh, she had this problem, it was like, well, we looked at each other. We can't help her. we got to get help. And then that's why we, that's we, de we decided we need to find out, learn about this, and we need to get help for ourselves, too. Yeah, it's been quite a ride, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Does anybody else have anything? In terms of causation, uh, you're asking what, what chicken or the egg, but I think it it puts an extreme amount of pressure on a marriage mm. because there's so many decisions that have to be made rapidly. You know, you're dealing with situations that you've never encountered in your life, and you're really woefully inadequate uh, to. You're really unable to deal with a lot of these things, uh, given your own personal experiences. You really can't draw upon it. Right. And it does put a lot of conflict into the marriage because there's a lot of disagreement. There can be disagreement on how best to handle a situation. And, um, you know, that that causes a lot of issues. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I, it does bring up, it does and bring out a lot of issues within the marriage, uh, underlying issues in the marriage because the conflict kind of bubbles all that to the top. Yeah, I mean, I mm -hmm. think that there's a saying that there's, Nothing so bad that addiction can't make it worse. <laughs> you know, I mean, nobody's perfect when you bring what you bring, you know, you, but then it just like seems to yeah. turn the burner up on every little weakness and every little thing that, every little corner of difficulty and, uh, yeah, and make it, make it all, you know, pretty much unbearable unless you, unless you do something unless you do something about yeah. it. So um, uh, let's, I'm trying to think if we have, well, let's, let's take the time because I wanted, one of the, one of the terms that gets thrown around in the, in the uh, dealing with addicted kids world is the tough love, uh, the, the, the tough love phrase. And I don't use those words very often because they seem to have a meaning out there that I don't subscribe to. But 
I don't know. How do you, how does that work for you guys? What does tough love mean to you, or is it a term that you use or don't use? Or I well, I guess tough love kind of when I hear that sort of stresses me out. Um, <laughs> to be really honest with you, it's tough on you. It's tough yeah. on me. Yeah. I I have tried that, um, and it just well, I guess my definition is having really strict boundaries. Things that rules are very black and white. I run the ship, and you will you shall follow. Mm-hmm. And um, if you have a child who has addiction issues, at least my child, you know that really I have found through my own experience does not work. I think um, what I'm learning is, um, especially after your child say has been through rehab and some type of recovery program and they come back home to live with you this time around what i'm learning is you know what try to start off with a clean slate with that person and don't hold their past behaviors against them and try to be more supportive and and if they're doing what they said they were going to do like get a job or go back to school you know let them get their license so that they can get to those places and if they do something that causes me to think um, that, you know, we need to kind of relook at this because, A, you're not coming home on time or maybe they might be using again or whatever. Like, give them the freedom first and take it away when it seems like they're violating it. Not take it away, but talk about it and reset the boundary. So, yeah, so like tough love is, the implication with tough love is that you... You just it's just the application of the tough part, right. not mm-hmm. the love part, or at least that's... Well, well yeah. you know, I think the common perception is that it, it, it implies that, that we as parents can make the kids do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we can yell and scream and create curfews and do all this other stuff, and, you know, it's still up to the child whether or not they behave. You know, um, I was just if, it, if it was that easy, we would just let our neighbors raise our kids because they know everything, right? <laughs> I just had the thought about. I just wanted to ask how how many how many of you have you did, done behavioral contracts with your kid? Did you do behavioral oh, contracts? Oh yeah, my God, many? you need a lawyer for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every everybody's yeah. done behavioral. Yeah. Okay. We have a drawer. Yeah. We, have, we have a drawer full. Okay. Yeah. So we're all yeah. laughing. I think that's enough. Uh, enough. Uh, information on that subject. <laughs> I just, it just crossed my mind because I, I still, you know, I have people come in and they want to do a behavioral contract and I, I have to refer them somewhere else. <laughs> just, I can't take their money. It's just not fair. Uh, okay, so tough love. I'm sorry. We got off the subject. Any, anybody else have anything else on tough love? Um, I would like to say one thing. Um, and I, I agree with uh, Beth as far as the black and white parenting. Um, but we had a moment of tough love where our child's behavior was so affecting the whole family that we had, you know, I felt like we had to choose between the family, meaning Jeff, our younger son, and myself, or our older son, who was the addict. Um, We were not able to keep him safe in our home. And so we had run out of options, and 
we got to the point where we would not let him come home. Mm-hmm. And I would not say that that applies to every situation. That is a pretty extreme situation. Um, but and it that, also took you years to get to that point. And it took us years, yeah. and it was heartbreaking. You know, no mother would ever want to be in that position. Um, but there are situations, you know, where hard decisions have to be made. Yeah, yeah. But, Marsha, I know that, that I, you know, when I think about tough love, I don't like the tough part of it either. And I always tell people to do what you can live with and what you feel comfortable with. And I'm not a real strict disciplinarian, so I can't live like that. I can't live with those consequences. And with Marsha's situation, you have, you for a, it took you many years to get to that point. And, every, and to me, right. you did everything you could. You felt comfortable within yourself that you lived with everything you could do at, up until that point in time. Jeff and I could yeah. live with the decision exactly. that we made. Exactly, yes. exactly. So I, I think tough love is great if you if you think about it in terms of I'm I'm willing to make the tough decisions. It's not great in the in the common perception of it, which is I'm going to force somebody to do mm-hmm. something. Yeah, yeah, that's that's you know not reality. Right, and it's not, it's not the, you know, the idea, well, well, really what this is is a, a nice segue into the question about the kick them out or don't kick them out, uh, you know, controversy. But I think what we'll do is we'll break um, for a couple of minutes, and we've got something on in the hopper. What did you, what, you said it was a surprise, Chris. What are, what are you going to play? It is a surprise. Oh, okay, so you're I not going to. I you ruin the surprise. No, this is uh, Michael Brecker, a little jazz. Uh, we got about we got about five minutes. Okay. So. Okay. Let's uh, take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll pick it up at this very point.
Welcome back. Um, and uh, we just took a little short break there, and we're all relaxed and, and kicked back here. So we're going to sort of try to pick up where we left off. We were talking about um, we were talking about tough love, and we I think we pretty much wrapped that up. But the the next question in the hopper for me was, how do you, as parents, continue to love your kid despite all of the pain and just destruction and anguish and whatever else, whatever other descriptive terminology you want to use for the consequences of addiction. How do you maintain love? How do you do it? Well, I think I think you need to look at it, and I know this is easier said than done as an illness. If your kid had cancer or uh, you know some some really uh, some difficult medical issue, you wouldn't get on them because you're spending a ton of money for treatment, medical treatment and medicine and, and uh, because maybe you have to take off work early to take them to the doctor and I mean you just wouldn't do that and uh, I, think, I think it's easy to get into a trap where you, you believe that his behaviors are, are intentional and controlled by, you know, by your kid and, and they sometimes aren't and you really have to continue to remind yourself that this is an illness and most people won't understand that or agree with you about that, but that's truly what this is. And you really continue to have to, and by joining support groups or whatever, that, those are the things that, that help you kind of recenter your, your perspective on that these are, these are illnesses and not, uh, not intentional behaviors. I don't, think, I don't think a lot of kids would want to be kicked out of school. Uh, that's not their goal when they get up in the morning. I don't think a lot of kids would want to go to a treatment facility. I don't think kids you don't want to want to be picked up for DUIs. I mean, I don't think that is the goal of a lot of kids, and yet it happens uh, because of an illness. How do you, well, I want to, yeah, I want to talk some more about that, let, let some of you, others of you speak to that, but how do you respond to people who um, say, well, it's a choice, you know, he has a choice, and he, cho he chose to act badly, and so, you know, deal with it. How do you, how do you, what do you do? Not sure I figured that one out. Um, on, on one hand, on one hand, yeah, they, they made a choice. They're going to have to deal with the consequences. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, you, you want to maintain some sense of compassion. Um, you know, I find myself even to this day going back and forth. You know, mm -hmm. should he, you know, have to endure the consequences of his choices? Mm -hmm. You know, he. It is a disease, and he didn't choose to have that. He didn't choose to have the disease, but you know, he he has chosen on occasion to do certain things. Sure, yeah. mm -hmm. sure. But I know that. Um, we have two older sons who went to college, who are young adults, who um, enjoy their beer, and I'm sure they've been doing it for years and years and years. Would I call them an addict? Absolutely not. They're not. They don't have a problem with it. But my daughter, when she started down that path, now heroin was what she ended up with, but she started with other stuff first. She got addicted just like that. So how can you not say it's an illness that's, 
you have a, a weakness for, a predetermination for. Have you had have you had ever had times where you found that it was difficult to love her? You know, and that was an interesting question when you first posed that. Absolutely not. And I think the thing is that um, all the people who come to parent support group, they love their child. Otherwise, they wouldn't be at the parent support group. And so that's my measurement of what loving a child is all about. Those people at the parent support group, they love their child. And there's, we never talked about that in all the years we've been doing this. We, nobody ever talked about whether we loved our kids or not. Mm-hmm. We love our kids. Well, yeah, and I, I obviously you do it, and I think um, the interesting thing is you can have a lot of um, you can have a lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. You can you can love somebody and you can you can hate them, and mm-hmm. you can be angry and you can be proud. And I mean, I, I don't think it's a one track deal. That's what gets so complicated. Because I'm sure I don't I don't know how anybody could go through what you know you folks have gone through and not have at times feelings of you know. Anger and sure, sure. You mean we're not allowed to change your mind? (laughs) (laughs) We can be angry and not wander around and be disappointed and all those other things. But again, the base is we love her. She's our child. Yes. Yeah, and I would, you know, agree with that. But I mean, of recent, I've I've been having some issues with my son that I was really disappointed. I'm like, oh my god, not this all over again. And I was really having a hard day. And I, you know, it's kind of like post-traumatic stress syndrome. Um, you really kind of go back to places you don't want to go anymore. And so what, what my behavior is like, I want to fix, manage, and control. And so I, I was at a, you know, I decided to go to yoga. I just decided, you know, call a lot of people. And I called my Al-Anon sponsor, and she said, I go, you know what, why do I have this kid? <laughs> I don't think I'm really equipped to handle him. And she said, you know what, God gave you this kid because, he, you know, he knows that you can stretch in different ways. And you're, you're the, he puts you in charge of him for all kinds of reasons, you know. And, you know, for, that just seemed to chill me out. And I think one of the things I'm learning, I'm not always very good at it, is, you know, just learning to detach at times, detaching with love, because sometimes you have to do that. I noticed that you said I was having, I'm having, a, bad, I was having a bad day. Yep. Which, that's a whole lot different than the world is ending and things are going completely to, you know, poop and had <laughs> <laughs> to think about that for a minute. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a you know that's a step in the right direction. But you know, yeah, you don't always have good feelings about your kid or mm-hmm. about your your yourself in regards to your kid. It doesn't mean you don't love them. And, right? Yeah, sure. And we just uh, went through a relapse actually just this week and. Um, you know, I have to say, again, there were a whole range of emotions, and the first day was a tougher day, and all those emotions, that tr- trauma feeling came up, um, but I could refocus, and I could ask for support, um, and the whole day didn't have to be about that, um, which was huge. I mean... It was huge, and yes, I think even in that moment where we decided our son couldn't come home, we loved him, you know. Um, and the the tough part about this illness, though, is 
you know, the fact that because of this illness, we do have to set boundaries. Otherwise, it makes our life unmanageable. And um, as a parent, you're, every parent parents in a different way. And, you know, what, what you can live with may not be what someone else could live with. Um, and I have so much more compassion for any parent out there um, that struggles to be a good parent, you know, to their child. And I think this is a really, really tough illness, you know. Um, and, well, go for it. I was just going to say that um, in a totally different vein that, you know, every child, you know, whether they're ill, healthy, young or old, has one thing in common. The child never asked to be here. So, you know, it's, it's kind of easy to love, you know, your children in, in, if you remember that. They they didn't ask for this. Right. It's a good, it's a good They might point. have created it and, you know, <laughs> all the other hardships. But uh, you don't have to treat them all the same. But none of them asked to be here. It's so, interesting, though, because I know that we all do love our child because we're all together and we talk about it. But I know when my daughter was going through intensive outpatient therapy, she asked one time, it was her birthday, I think it was, and she asked if she could have a bonfire at her house and invite her group went over. And I said, sure, why not? And those kids, um, they were kicked out of the home at a very young age. Um, they were like in awe of Ray and I to open up our house to them and have a bonfire and we cook, I don't know, marshmallows or whatever because their parents wouldn't even deal with this. You know, they were in denial or they were angry at them. And here we were opening our whole house up to them. And that was so unusual for them. So, you know, there are kids out there who don't feel that love from their parents, which is too bad. And that makes it all the harder. What do you, uh, we were talking a little while ago about the just kick them out syndrome. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people, I get, you know, a phone call, I get probably two phone calls a week, you know. Do you think I should kick them out? You know, and so I'm sure that you, you know, either have struggled with that yourself or talk to people who do struggle with that. I just call it the kick them out syndrome because it's as if it's the same. It, we were talking about this in, in a way, the same thing as the, the, the tough love business. You know, there are places for tough, that kind of tough love to take place, but kicking them out doesn't seem always to be the answer or the panacea for addiction. But people seem to think so. <laughs> like, is that somehow going to solve all the problems and they're going to get well? Or I don't know. Mm-hmm. How do you, what do you, have you been through that yourself? Do you, yes, absolutely. Okay. And, and, and it's, it's wonderful because you, you do hear it. Um, and, and on one hand, you know, people say it, it's become cliche, and they're, they, they offer absolutely no advice on how to actually do it. What does kicking your kid out mean? Does that mean, you know, waking them up in the middle of the night, telling them, you know, get the heck out, and, you know, your stuff's going to the end of the curb? Do you wait till they're out at some kid's house and you can take their stuff and just put it at the end of the curb? You know, is this a minor child? Um, in, in our case, you know, we, we've had to do it uh, a couple of times, 
um, you know, where we announced that, oh, by the way, you're not coming home from rehab, you're going off to boarding school. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way to do it. Um, another way, um, which was really interesting, I thought I'd come up with a very good way to do it. Uh, um, he was almost 18, and I told him that we'd reached the point we couldn't handle it anymore. And uh, and I told him uh, in a very even tone, I said, uh, we've reached the point where you need to start making arrangements to live somewhere else. Um, I didn't say anything else. I didn't say leave right this minute. I didn't raise my voice. I said, you've got to start making arrangements. You're now in charge of your life. Uh, that was an interesting consequence because Didn't he call these 10 sheriff? minutes later, uh, the sheriff is standing at the door. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, my son had accused him uh, or, or accused me of, you know, violently throwing him out of the house right that minute. And the sheriff just wanted to know whether or not they should arrest him and take him away. Um, because you know, he was under the influence. Because they thought he was under the influence. I said, well, what's the difference if he's under the influence here or in jail? I mean, <laughs> well, who would have to bail him out? <laughs> At this That's moment, it's we... kind of not really what we're talking about. <laughs> so there's lots of different, you know, and you didn't get to that. Again, you didn't get to that. Um, that wasn't an early intervention. This was something that you came to based upon your own. In in, in our particular case, it, it it became clear after a lot of work, a lot of uh, of of attempts uh, to to work through this, it really became clear that that in order to salvage the rest of the family, we needed to to cut off the disease. We needed to uh, remove him from the house, mm-hmm. um, which is difficult to do with a minor child. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I stand by our decision in this case. It was a good thing. Um, I think we did it in in loving ways. We, mm-hmm. you know, as we, we maintained our parental responsibilities by doing this, making sure that uh, that he was in a position to learn the skills and to to actually have some chance of success at independence. Um, and we were able to save our own sanity. Um, and you know, get enough distance to where we could begin to heal ourselves. Mm-hmm. Have you guys been through similar things? Yeah. 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 We, we we made a decision to remove uh, our kid from the home when uh, we felt that there were safety considerations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, with, with also another child in the house that you know we feared for. Uh, yeah. So um, you know, and there are places you can uh, send your child legally uh, out of state. Uh, and uh, we had escorts pick up our kid uh, and actually um, put him on an airplane, escort him on an airplane, and fly him to another state, and there he was for a number, almost a year. Mm-hmm. And, it, and what it did was it removed him from the home, and it also uh, it allowed him to recenter himself, I believe. It was a therapeutic school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, that, and, that's, and so there are legal ways to remove a child, a minor, from the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, it does take resources to do that. Not everyone may have the ability to do that, but 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 there are they are out there. Whether mm-hmm. it's in a wilderness program or a, a therapeutic boarding school, whatever. Well, that's good for people to know that mm-hmm. that can be done. Did you guys have to do that, or did she leave? She left, came back, left, came back. 
We didn't really have a back. problem. But yeah. every time it's been a little better uh, with us. But she was more, um, she wasn't young when she started, and and she was living away from home anyway. And um, But she'd always ask to come home when mm-hmm. things got bad. Uh, she had a tendency to have bad relationships, and, uh, uh, and so she'd get out of those, come home, and then feel comfortable enough, and then... Uh, the whole cycle would start all over again. It was a cycle, and and um, and so no, we never felt the need. Uh, um, the home was always there for her, but you know we weren't begging her to come home. You know mm-hmm. she had to she, she had, had to verbally ask to come home, and then when she came home, each time there were uh, more expectations mm-hmm. uh, placed on her. But you know we're dealing with an adult uh, adult woman. And there's only so much you can do, and mm-hmm. uh, and I certainly uh, the, the idea of just kicking my daughter out of the house because I didn't agree with her uh, for what she was doing is totally abhorrent to me, uh, totally inhuman. Uh, I would not want her wandering the streets in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I, you know, make every I, I would have to make, make sure I had made every effort in the world. Mm-hmm. to understand her situation, her condition, her disease, uh, before I would ever come to a decision like that. That would be the last option. And I, and I think, you know, I, I think that that's, that's, a good, that's a good point because that's really where I was hoping that we would be able to get with tonight, that, that kicking kids out is not the first thing you do and it's yeah. not a panacea, right. but it may be necessary mm-hmm. at some point. So let maybe by... By way of, of you know wrapping up here tonight, um, the, the last thing I kind of wanted to ask about is what if if you could give parents uh, who are struggling with things that were similar to what you're struggling with um, just one piece of advice. Let's just go around and and and, uh, and you know maybe maybe we got six pieces of the same advice. I don't know, but what would you what would you tell them? I would tell them to come to the parent support group. Um, and, you know, see how other people uh, have learned to cope with the situation. Do you, can I throw in one quick question? Do you, see, do you feel like you've gotten better? I mean, yes. would you consider yourself a success? I would say I am a happy person today. So a work in progress? A work in progress, work absolutely. In progress. <laughs> but, yes, light years from where I was five years ago. Yeah, because I think that, that's important for people to know. You've there's, changed. There, there's an amazing... Um, um, we, we found that it, it is very, very beneficial to listen to other people's stories, whether or not they have a direct bearing on your own story, um, whether or not you agree with them. It's, it, it's very comforting to hear what they've done, how it's worked. Um, you learn a lot. Um, and, and, you know, whether, whether that makes you more confident in your approach or, or you know, decide to change tack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, we, we found that just hearing other people's stories uh, is extremely beneficial. Great. What about you, Jim? Uh, get help. Uh, most parents are grossly unqualified to deal with this issue without professional assistance. And don't listen to your neighbor that just says, lay down the law, because that <laughs> is not uh, going to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say um, what's really helped me is um, 
I think seeking out um, recovery support groups, and especially like this family group, because um, our child's still a minor, and so it's just very helpful. Um, I think as Jeff was saying too, hearing people's stories. But for me, especially hearing people's stories who are a little bit farther down in the journey, in other words, they have older children, um, because I think as a parent, not only can you learn from what other people are doing, but I think you need to, uh, for me, I need to have, I hope it's really important to me. And, you know, you just see how other people's children and they work it out. And I guess for me, that gives me hope that I, I too can do it too. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, again, I, I would reach out. Um, you know, be it like an Al-Anon 12-step program or a parent recovery group or things like that because I think you'll really learn some tools for yourself. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, I think I like the name of our support group because it's parents supporting parents. Um, the whole recovery, we're on a journey. It's not that we are recovered. We are on a journey. So I don't want anybody to think that we have it all together that we don't have um, relapses. Because I tell you, the minute my daughter does something or says something, it's like um, Beth said, it's post-traumatic stress syndrome. I get that ache in my gut. You mean, you know, they come on just like that. So it's a process. And it doesn't mean we all have it together, but it does mean that we are supporting each other and reminding each other where we are and where we're going. And I think uh, we all have to remember that just like recovery is a day-by-day um, process for the recovering addict, recovery is a day-by-day process for us. Mm-hmm. And we're what's in the past is in the past. We let it go. We can project into the future, but that'll just make you crazier. So you just accept the day. If your if your child has a great day, just give them a hug. Tell them you love them. If they don't have a great day, give them a hug and tell them they love you. But it's a it's one day at a time. And uh, if, I think if everybody just treated life like that, probably things in the world would be a lot better too, but it's one day at a time. Yeah, I think that's a good piece of advice. I think it is one day at a time. So, um, yeah, so I want to thank you guys for coming, coming out tonight and, and sharing your experience, strength, and hope and just talking about the group. And I hope, I hope some people listen up because I know there's a lot of parents out there that need to, uh, need to do it. So... Thank you all again. Um, also, thanks to our listeners and our studio audience of one <laughs> uh, for uh, making us a successful little underground support source for the recovering community. We'll email out our reminders for next week's uh, show, uh, probably at the end of the week. And as always, uh, we'll try to look at recovery from a wide and open perspective. Remember to check recoveryinternetradio.com. I'd have Chris repeat it, but... Recovery Internet Radio! .com for all of our archive shows that have signed up for our uh, email reminder list. You can go to the website and sign up for the email reminder list and get a nice little promo piece every week. It's pretty cool. Some of you are probably already on that list. Um, We'd love to uh, hear from you, from our listeners, because we don't know... We're an Internet Radio show, so we don't know where you are. So we'd love to hear from you so we uh, know where you're coming from. So as always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we'll see you at 7 p.m. next Sunday night. Thank you. Thank you.